medical assistance in dying was legalized in Canada in 2016. But one of the safeguards that was in place, that death should be reasonably foreseeable, has been expanded. As of March 2022, people with disabilities, as well as those suffering pain, can apply, even if they are not anywhere near close to dying. This made headlines last month when a St. Catherine's man applied, not because his death was inevitable or imminent, but because he is afraid of being homeless. Amir Farsud suffers from chronic pain because of a back injury. He also struggles with depression and anxiety, but these are not the reasons he applied for medical assistance in dying. He applied because he is in danger of losing his housing and can't afford living anywhere else other than the rooming house where he currently lives. What's surprising is that Farsud's doctor agreed that he meets the criteria for assisted dying. The good news is that a month later, thanks to an outpouring of support, which led to a GoFundMe campaign that raised more than $60,000, Farsud has been given more options. And that's the issue. Euthanasia and assisted suicide should not be on the table when there are no other options. No one wants to end their lives. They just want the pain to end. No one chooses death freely. They do so only under duress, when they have no hope, no other options. As we enter this season of Advent, let's pray for life as we await in hope for the coming of Christ the King. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and sitting here with me is Mark Matthews. Hello, Deacon Pedro. A pleasure to be here as usual. A pleasure to be with you all the way from Los Angeles. That is right. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Um, uh, I, I guess you're Canadian, but you I, I, are... I am. I'm dual citizen now, so both Canadian and American. So did you celebrate Thanksgiving twice? Did you do a month, six weeks ago? Did What did you do? I, sadly, there weren't many other Canadians to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving with here. So uh, all I unfortunately had was turkey deli meat. So not an actual full turkey. Okay, but this weekend you did do the full Thanksgiving. Correct. Yes, I did. I did. Yes. I had the many good friends to celebrate it with here. So. The full Thanksgiving football deal. It's right. That's right. Football, you know, sweet potatoes with roasted marshmallows, all that good stuff. Oh, I love that stuff. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you had a happy Thanksgiving um, and good that you're going to be on the show today. Well, you're not going to be on the show today. You are on the show today. I, um, I am, yes. You, you are. You're on the show already. So today, um, Ed Clancy from Aid to the Church in Need is going to join us again with their monthly segment, Where God Helps. Um, and uh, Ed is the Director of Outreach for Aid to the Church in Need in the United States. And uh, they, they put out a report every year on uh, one year is on persecuted Christians and the other year is on religious persecution. So this year, the report mm. was on persecuted Christians, uh, persecuted and forgotten. So Ed's going to tell us about that in about five minutes. And then, Mark, you're going to tell us about the end of the world. I don't know. What are That's you right. The about? end of the world. The eschaton, as, uh, as, as I was just learning, is another the, name for it. The judgment. The eschaton. Yes. The, ju the yes. final judgment. Okay. Yep. And, and how that relates potentially to film and maybe a little bit of an advent tie-in. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely an Advent tie-in because that's the coming of Christ that we're waiting for. Um, yep. So, and and film. Okay, okay. That should be interesting. So that's Mark Matthews. That's what's good in Hollywood. It, yeah, with, the judgment is good. The, the judgment well, it, is good. It's um, good because we get to prepare. It's good because we get to prepare. That's very, okay, good. You don't need to do your segment anymore. You just gave us the punchline. Yeah, there we go. I, oh, I gave it away. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, more of that good stuff coming up with Mark in about 15 minutes. Um, and then um, it's a bit of a, a tough subject today. Uh, the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers has just put out a, an eight-part video series titled When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. Um, and as you can imagine, I mean, you can, I'm, I don't know if we can imagine what, what it, Mm. what it would be like to, to, to lose a loved one to suicide. Um, but for those of us who are people of faith, I think we struggle even deeper with how would God allow, how, how would, why would God allow that? If you really have faith and you pray for God to help you, you know, that people, people who make that prayer still end their lives sometimes and so it's a very difficult subject um and so we're going to be joined by deacon ed Schoner. he's the president of the association of uh, catholic mental health ministers that's going to tell us about that deacon ed he's been on the program before he lost his daughter to do suicide mm-hmm. and uh so he's uh he's going to be able to share with us a little bit about what the church teaches about suicide and uh and and to tell us about this video series so that's going to be in our second half hour um and then we're going to end the program by meeting a new a new singer songwriter. His name is Joe Lundin, and he's with a collective called Ascension Music. Uh, he's a musician that has come out of the Net Ministries evangelization team. Uh, a lot of a lot of the artists that we deal with here seem to have gone through Net, hmm. um, and uh, Net also has a musicians program. So Joe came through that as well, and he's just starting out. Um, but he's written a few songs. Uh, he's got a few songs that he's co-written with other artists um, and that he wants to share. And so we're going to get a chance to meet him at the end of the program in about 45 minutes. So that's at the end of the program after the interview with Deacon Ed Schoner about uh, uh, suicide or suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, so a reminder uh, to all our, our listeners, if you're not going to be around and you want to be listen to those interviews at the end of the program, you can always go to our website, slmedia.org. Just click on the podcasts uh, link there, and you'll 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 be able to find our program, the Salt and Light Hour. Um, that's probably the best place you can listen to the program, or you can just podcast the show wherever you get your podcasts. So let's start with a song. Here's a new demo, not quite the final version, of a song by Ascension Music titled Magnificat. So-
That was Ascension Music with a little teaser of their new song, Magnificat. And we're going to be speaking with Joe Lundin of the Ascension Music Collective at the end of the program, so I hope that you'll still be around for that. And now it's time for... Where God Helps with Ed Clancy from Aid to the Church in Need, USA. Ed, good to see you. Welcome back. Thank you, Deacon. It's it's good to be back. I'm, I hope all of the listeners have had a good holiday or beginning of a good Advent. Yes, I hope so too. Um, now, your annual report, Persecuted and Forgotten, is out. Yes. What are, what are the highlights? Well, it's uh, we release these reports every year. We alternate between religious persecution and Christian persecution. Mm-hmm. Persecuted and Forgotten is about Christian persecution. Um, and this year, unfortunately, our report highlights the fact that things are worse for Christians pretty much all around the globe. Hmm. Uh, whereas our re- most recent report prior to this, we highlighted 12 countries. We now are highlighting 24 countries where there has been significant changes or uh, things of note have happened. Uh, so we see that not only is it increasing in most of these countries, but it's increasing in the spread around the world. So in in regions where you were not seeing Christian persecution before, and I'm going to say, I don't know, like always think of the Middle East or Africa and Latin America, maybe are you're seeing per- persecution now? Yes, yes. Obviously, in a place like Nicaragua, where we have uh, Bishop yeah. Alvarez, who has been arrested for daring to just help people who mm-hmm. were protesting, you know, the brutality of the government. Mm-hmm. And they shut down his 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 church. They shut down his radio stations. They've arrested priests and um, people yep. associated. And the bishop is is under house arrest, which is you know less worse than the others. The others are in one of the most um, feared prisons in Nicaragua, um, sort of like uh, the modern day version of the Hanoi Hilton, where yeah. they go to be tortured yeah. um, to get the re- results that they want. The government that is. And this is something, in a sense, new in that, you know, we have a pretty much Christian, Latin, Catholic America, yeah, uh, Catholic, Latin America. And you have a situation where the church is being persecuted for just saying good things or helping people. I know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, we haven't seen this since the 80s. I mean, the 80s, Latin America, that's where all the the church persecution was very common. Um, So it is unusual. And, And what always amazes me is that it's just not in the news nobody hears yeah, that's, anything that's about the thing. exactly it's but you know unfortunately because we're we have to focus on it and i know more about it at aid to the church in need of course we see it happening in other places too you mentioned africa and yep. the middle east it's still bad or worse there yeah it's still going on and then another area that we could talk about is what happened this last year in ukraine you know, oh, yes, obviously everybody's aware of the war and everybody's aware of of what's going on, or at least everybody should be. Uh, but we're not aware of the fact that uh, when the war, before the war started, the, the, the church there sent missionary priests into the danger regions to help people. Okay. And some of them are still there. And in fact, in one of these uh, regions that was is controlled by Russian troops, there are redemptorist missionary priests who were just arrested by Russian forces for aiding and abetting or something like that. And and their crime is essentially taking care of the people. And we know that, you know, in the places where in Ukraine, where there's been somewhat of a liberation, 
that people talk about being locked in their homes without mm -hmm. supplies and barely surviving and welcoming, you know, the liberators, you know, very, very joyously. But but at the same time, they face, you know, very difficult situation. Um, and then, you know, that's an area of the, the world where we didn't we didn't have these these no. terrible issues. And now we well, do. Well, and it's different in Ukraine because this is not a government clamping down on the church in their own country because it's a it's a foreign country in essence yeah. even though i suppose the russians think that whatever they've captured in ukraine is part of russia um so it's an act of war in a sense what they're doing if they're arresting uh or abducting or i don't know detaining uh ukrainians right whether they're right and that's or not. right yeah. and that's that's just you know the 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 silly little nuances when you call it an abduction arrest they're priests they're serving the people they shouldn't be mm -hmm. under under any sort of arrest or captivity for so, doing that and so sorry to interrupt again so again it's not in the news i have not heard this um is how is the church in ukraine responding to this or the government in ukraine responding to this uh they have only responded with you know an effort of you know notice and that's it that there really hasn't been any sort of great publicity other than maybe aid to the church in need bringing out um and it, it's a very difficult region i mean the the holy see recently named a new um nuncio to the eastern churches mm -hmm. um uh Guglierdi, i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing his name yeah uh, but he's he's very aware of the region he was a nuncio in uh ukraine and before he was a nuncio in ukraine he was also in belarus and armenia so he knows the region very well he's very aware of the eastern churches and the different rights of the church mm -hmm. and the communication so we have to hope that the church can act as this intermediary, as this sort of a negotiator between the factions to help things out. Right. Um, you mentioned that there were other er er other countries or other regions where you had seen persecution now that did not exist before. Um, did you want to mention others? Sure. I mean, Africa. We we, we talked about Africa, and yeah. you know, we've always we hear a lot. Of, well, we hear some about what's going on in Nigeria. But recently, yeah. a, a priest, a German missionary priest, uh, Father Lohr, was abducted. He's disappeared in Mali. And this is a country, again, some of these countries like Mali, there, there had been relative peace until recently, within the last 10 years. There were some struggles, but usually mm -hmm. it had to do with poverty. Now we see the church being attacked. We see Christians being attacked where before they weren't. Mm -hmm. uh, so the spread in West Africa is happening. And then, you know, it goes all the way across the, the whole topper, upper middle half of Africa from Ethiopia all the way west to, um, you know, the Atlantic. So it's a, it's a difficult situation for Christians around the world. And that's what our report uh, highlights is that things are not getting better. But you know, Christ Christ wins out. Mm -hmm. uh, the church answers, and just like these 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 priests who were arrested in Ukraine, and this priest who was abducted in in uh, Mali, and the bishop who's under arrest in South America in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. the church responds and helps the people regardless. And that's an important mm -hmm. thing to remember this time of year, and right. keep them in your prayers, and keep them, you know, help them, help them in many ways. Speak out, speak up, uh, tell people about it, and if you can you know, help organizations like Aid to the Church in Need that will support them in whatever needs to be done. Absolutely. I was, I mean, I'm, I know you always say that we should pray and, and we should pray because I was going to ask you what else we can do, but I guess other than making ourselves aware of what's happening and making sure that other people are aware and keeping 
all these situations in prayer, there's really not much more. I mean, support you financially, aid to the church in need and other organizations, but there's really not much more than we can do, is there? Well, I mean, I think, you know, helping you by helping yourself by learning, understanding more is one of the first things that that will feed your prayer life and also your advocacy. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to tell others. You, yeah. you don't have to ask them to do anything radical other than pray. Absolutely. You know, do something at your parish, do something in your prayer communities, even in your family, just during the night to pray for one of these countries or one of these priests or nuns. Yeah, maybe that's, something, maybe that's something that everyone in their parish can do is add a, a recurring intention that is for persecution or persecuted Christians or people who are under persecution for their beliefs. Um, especially as we go into Christmas, because maybe, I mean, I know we hear about Easter attacks. Maybe Christmas is a time when 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 Christians are are more likely to be targets as well. Um, I, thank you. I mean, I always hesitate to say thank you for for no, the. No, I, I the appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, but thank you for for doing a little bit of that advocacy right now, letting our listeners know so that people can keep not just the situation in Ukraine, uh, the priest in Mali, um, and the bishop in Nicaragua in your prayers, but all. Uh, Christians where there is persecution. Um, Ed, thank you for 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 what you and, and the Aid to the Church in Need does. You're very welcome, and, and God bless you, and have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. Ed Clancy is the Director of Outreach for Aid to the Church in Need USA. You can find out more about Aid to the Church in Need and read the report, Persecuted and Forgotten, at their website. In the U.S., it's churchinneed.org. And if you're in Canada, it's acn-canada.org. I'm Megan. And I'm Blake. And, and we're, we're Flynn. Flynn. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us? Email me, pedro, at slmedia.org. Or you can also find me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, here today to bring us down the judgment. <laughs> judgment dun, dun, and the apocalypse. Dun, 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 dun. It, it's because, yeah, this time of the year, but, man, everything's about the end of times. That's true. That's true. Like, yeah, we're at right before Advent is essentially the church's year end. And so all the readings focused on the apocalypse. Yeah. And so this is kind of technically like a pre-advent kind of reflection, but has a bit of an interesting Christmas advent tie-in that you'll, you'll hear. So, okay. Uh, but, but yeah, the kind of scripture that we see in the readings are things like, you know, the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the elements will be dissolved by fire and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. Mm -hmm. So kind of very, uh, you know, very, very Hollywood-esque. Kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, happy stuff. 2012. Yeah, yeah, happy stuff. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, from Matthew 12, on the day of judgment, people will render an account for every careless word they speak. And what what I find really interesting about this and kind of what I like reflect I love reflecting on the judgment which actually we kind of <laughs> should think we should, we should think about that but it it these scriptures indicate that we will get some kind of a supernatural vision essentially that all deeds at all times will be revealed kind of in that moment um Saint okay. Augustine says it yep. well he says he says that we will remember all of our good or evil works and to discern them with the gaze of the mind with wondrous rapidity. So it means that when we're sitting there 
or when God's sitting there in the judgment seat and we're standing before him, we're not going to have to watch a whole, you know, 80 year long movie of our life just to render this judgment. We're going to see instantaneously our entire life, all its moments, the good yeah. and the bad. And, and I just think like, wow, that's kind of amazing. That's almost like a little bit of like God's omniscient power that we mm -hmm. might share in somehow. And, and I, th I think it'll be amazing. We'd be able to get to see how everything we did in our life affected those around us. Almost like you can kind of see on a football play diagram, you know, lines and arrows yes, here. Yes. And, and so I, I think, wouldn't it be interesting if we could somehow sample this supernatural vision before we die, maybe to prepare for it? And, and I say that we can, that the closest we can come on earth to experience this kind of supernatural vision is to watch a good film. If you think about it, that's what a good film does. It reveals all aspects of the protagonist's life, compresses that over some significant period of their life, but it compresses it essentially into two hours. So that with kind of our limited temporal senses, we get to see a human life, all the choices that they make, see behind the scenes, behind the masks. Mm -hmm. And and a, a good film, uh, the degree to which a film authentically reflects this kind of reality and not distort is the degree to which they are a good film. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense, but you're making me think that not, not only am I, ref in watching a good film, we're not just reflecting on the protagonist's life experience, Mm -hmm. But if it's a really good film, it makes you reflect on your own personal life experience. Mm -hmm. So that's why exactly watching a film is is that pre-judgment yeah. kind of experience, or could yeah, be. Yeah, and I think I think that's the beauty of a good story. With a good story, you become you learn something about yourself. You reflect on yourself. You become a better person. Yeah. So, um, so like you know, a couple films. The, the kind of come to mind that sort of exemplify this really well, this like examining a person's life. Um, so uh, in no particular order and just center disclaimer, some of these are R rated. Um, yeah. The final cut from 2004, it, it's a sci-fi film where everyone gets an implant in their eye that rec records their entire life. Yeah. And at your funeral, they, a cutter, quote unquote, edits together a like synopsis of your life and they replay it at the funeral. So kind of very interesting idea there. Yeah. Um, Boyhood from 2014 was actually filmed over 12 years and the actor Eller Coltrane was aged six to 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And so this is, and it's, it's a very well done film. I believe it got a number of awards and also kind of offers a very interesting insight into like the longevity of someone's life. Yeah. Um, or another fantastic film, I believe it got the international Oscar for the best uh, film, The Lives of Others from 2006. Um, it's set in 1984, East Berlin, uh, and follows an agent of the secret police conducting surveillance on, on a writer and his lover. Um, and shows both pre-fall of the Berlin Wall and post-fall of the Berlin Wall. And so again, kind of gives a sort of amazing insight into the trajectory of lives and, and how things can change. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and the kind of a, a sort of a, a subgenre mix on this are very much in the football play diagram category are what I would call like some ensemble films. So uh, the film Crash from 2004 or Magnolia from 1999 have show multiple stories and show how these stories, these people, their lives intersect with each other and, and affect each other. And they portray both the good and the bad. 
Um, and Magnolia, I think in particular, is kind of almost like it's like a meditation on sin. It shows really well, like what happens to people's lives when they mm-hmm. sin and the horrible yes. things that happen to them. So, yeah. um, and and then the final great story that comes to mind uh, to bring this back to Advent is A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickinson's oh, yeah. Yeah. classic from 1843, which they've made multiple films of. Mm-hmm. So it not only pulls back the veil portraying the protagonist's life, but also offers multiple possibilities for how his life could be lived. And so, so I just thought it's like, oh yeah, of course, that's very appropriate. You know, that we were just meditating on the end times and scripture and judgment. And, you know, Advent is a time of preparation of to reflect on these kinds of things, to prepare ourselves and our hearts for God. And, and a Christmas Carol is kind of like, yeah, the perfect story along these lines. So, so it's kind of like no wonder it's seen as a Christmas time classic. So, yeah, fascinating. I, 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 uh, that that is something good coming out of Hollywood that they're giving us yeah. the opportunity to reflect on our own lives. Um, and a good film makes you do that without hitting you over the head with it. Um, yeah, I, I like that. And those are all great films um, that you mentioned there. Um, yeah, and I, I love those films where there's an ensemble cast and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their lives just kind of intertwine as as they do as they do in real life. I I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with the ensemble ones, it's kind of like they portray so many different stories. You can kind of almost find yourself relating to some of the characters more than the other. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like you're guaranteed to find a way to sort of draw something from it. So. Yeah, and of course, I can't think of any particular film right now, but there are films where you see the different options. Had the character made this choice, it would have been this. Mm-hmm. Had they made mm-hmm. this choice. I think there was a whole TV series. I can't think of which one it was that was that was Survivor oh, yeah, or one like of those like that. You know, multiple timelines. Yeah, almost. multiple timelines depending on on what choices the characters made. Um, yeah. All important. Um, and as you said at the beginning, because we need to reflect, not just in mm-hmm. fear that we're going to die, but reflect mm-hmm. on our lives and and think about uh, judgment. <laughs> think yeah. about the yeah, end I of th- times. I think it's fascinating how like, yeah, it's usually science fiction and time travel that take on these themes, yep. but really underlying them is this kind of this very spiritual idea of reflecting on our, on our lives and, yeah. and judgment. And what better time to do that, that during Advent. That's right. Perfect season, a mini Lent. A mini Lent. And be- what better companion than Hollywood to help us yes. on our reflections. All right, Mark. Well, I'll see you. Have a blessed Advent season, and uh, we'll you. see you. We'll see you for Christmas. Yes. 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 You too. Have a blessed Advent. Thank you. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at Hu Missionary. In our second half hour. When a loved one dies by suicide, and we meet singer-songwriter Joe Lundin of the Ascension Music Collective. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Suicide is one of the leading causes of death in the United States, with some 46,000 deaths in 2020. That's about one death every 11 minutes. The number of people who think about or attempt suicide is even higher. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in 2020, an estimated 12.2 million American adults seriously thought about suicide, 
3.2 million planned a suicide attempt and 1.2 million attempted suicide. Still, too often in our culture and in the Catholic Church, suicide is hidden. And to make matters worse, there are misconceptions about what the Church teaches about suicide. To help Catholics coping with the trauma of a loved one's suicide, the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, in partnership with Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries, has produced an eight-part film series titled When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, Deacon Ed Schoner. Uh, Deacon Ed, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me back, Deacon Pedro. It's good to have you back. I'm I'm sorry that every time we talk, we have to talk about this very serious yet important um, um, topic. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. It's important to talk about this and get it out in the open. Yes, Deacon, your daughter Katie died by suicide. She has struggled with mental illness for many years. In her obituary, you chose to mention that fact. Why was that important? It was important because I'm the deacon here in our diocese uh, in our diocese in Scranton, Pennsylvania, a deacon at our cathedral, and I thought it was important that our community would know what happened so that there wouldn't be any uncertainty about it. So, uh, and it was a way to protect my daughter in some ways, Deacon Pedro, so that they there wouldn't be any uh, uh, misunderstanding about Katie's death by suicide, that that did not define her. So I made it a point in the obituary to say mm. that she was a beautiful child of God, created in the image and likeness of God, and she wasn't defined by her mental illness or even her manner of death. She's defined by who she is, which is a wonderful, beautiful child of mm -hmm. God. And uh, anyone that's grieving a suicide needs to remember that, that God created their loved ones who died by suicide and and in many ways, God was there at the moment of their death, and he knows it was horrible, just as we know it was horrible. And he welcomed them into his merciful arms, and we all who are grieving a suicide need to remember that. Would you, I mean, I don't know if you had already thought about that before Katie died, or if that was something that you realized at the moment, because I would think that most Catholics, most Christians, people of faith, would 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 not want to disclose that that they would want to keep that hidden would you say that 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 is because there's a stigma yes there's a stigma. and two realities here to talk about deacon pedro i'm glad you that's a good question that you asked is one i will tell you the parents have and i've since now have done ministry with many parents who children live with mental illness and it's always in the back of our minds it's always in the back of our minds. Maybe we don't explicitly talk about it, but that worry is always there that they could die by suicide, particularly if they have a serious mental illness with like bipolar disorder or depression or schizophrenia. That's that's always a worry because uh, that, that's all too often the way uh, these illnesses can, term, can end. Uh, the other concern about the uh, the stigma that's out there with suicide and mental illness, yeah, I guess that's what I wanted to do in my own small way is chip away with that stigma in Katie's obituary. Uh, you know, I know full well as a deacon, I'm just a, a you know a, a small player in the Catholic Church by any means, uh, but I at least wanted in my community to know that uh, that this is something that we need to talk about and that we. That Christ uh, wants to be in the midst of all of this and wants to shine His light into the to the depths of these, these this sorrow, and uh, that we can don't need to be afraid about talking about it and uh, and loving and consoling each other as we struggle with this through this type of grief. Yeah, the church's teaching on suicide has changed as our awareness of mental health issues has deepened. 
Um, most people, I think, still are are confused about that. What does the church teach about suicide? Yeah, it's still hanging out there. The church's teaching on suicide has evolved as we've developed a deeper understanding of the psychology of suicide and mental health uh, challenges. The, the old teaching was is that uh, you couldn't have a mass if they died by suicide. They couldn't be buried in a Catholic cemetery. And it was uh, it, w- it just wasn't a, a healthy teaching. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was the best they could do, given their understanding of the situation at the time. But uh, St. Pope John Paul II, under his leadership, it was revised in the mid-90s when the catechism got revised. So the church now teaches, of course, you shouldn't kill yourself. You shouldn't kill anyone. That's that's for certain. But uh, it understands that uh, severe uh, mental health issues and stress and strains and and fear can lead someone to to suicide, and that reduces the culpability of it. So the church now prays for people that have died by suicide. My daughter Katie had a beautiful funeral. She's buried in her, I visited her grave in our Catholic cemetery. So that teaching has changed. And, you know, science goes hand in hand with faith. And we're having a deeper understanding of the psychiatry and psychology of of suicide now. Mm -hmm. And that's totally consistent with our faith. And our faith, of course, tells us that uh, the death is not the end. There's always the resurrection, and that we can—that's where we place our hope. And knowing that our loved ones fell in the loving arms of, of Christ, who's a better psychologist and psychiatrist <laughs> than anyone here on earth, and he yeah. certainly understands the pain and suffering that uh, came along with the suicide. And that's what we entrust our loved ones to. Yeah, and that—and that's the question I know I've been asked. You know, is my son okay? They—they they, up here they might get it. Yes, I understand that that they had an, you know they struggled and they had an issue. God is merciful. But is my son, is my daughter okay? And of course, I always tell them, yes, but that's a hard one to understand down here in the heart. Yes, it it is. It is a hard one to understand. We talk about that in the movie, Bishop Dolan and I, it was my co-editor who is the Bishop of Phoenix, and he knows well this heartache too, because he's lost three uh, siblings to suicide, plus a brother-in-law. So uh, yeah. we do talk about the church's teaching on this. And and our, is our, our loved ones okay? And our answer is, is that they've fallen into the loving mercy of Christ, like I've said. And uh, the church's teaching is, is just that. We leave the judgment to Christ. It's not ours to judge anyone who's died, whether they died by suicide or any other means. It's just that we place all of our hope in God and don't... Uh, uh, and don't try to replace our own judgment, our own fears yeah. for, for Christ's fears. So, you know, what I tell someone, uh, if someone wants to, you know, appreciate something may I've done, maybe I've done for them, they ask me, what can I do for you, Deacon? I always say, you can buy a mass card for my Katie mm-hmm. uh, and have a mass said for her. And I think that's what we can do is we can continue to pray continue for our loved one who's died uh, and know that they are, are with Christ and that we're joined to them. They mm-hmm. haven't disappeared either. It's not like they've disappeared into the ether. Um, and they still very much exist. And we continue to be bonded to them through our prayers and through our faith. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're okay. Yeah. And they're I guess okay. we, we, we believe that they're no longer in pain. Um, the, the series, there are eight, eight videos. Uh, can you give us a, a brief kind of overview of kind of what topics it covers? Each one of the videos, yes, yes, thank you. Uh, Yeah, each one of the uh, films are a 
a Catholic uh, leader uh, reflecting on the uh, the loss of a loved one to suicide. So like mentioned Bishop Dolan, Monsignor Charles Pope, who's, who's well known in many uh, areas of the church, lost his sister to suicide. And, and other people, Letitia Adams, lost a son to suicide. So they reflect on the experience of losing someone to suicide, how it's affected their faith, how their faith supported them. And each film ends with uh, prayers to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mary. And uh, it can be used either uh, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, looking at on your own computer uh, as you help you grieve, but also for grief support groups, maybe in a parish uh, or within a diocese, they'll want to offer a grief support group mm -hmm. for those who have lost someone to suicide. So there's a facilitator's guide and a participant guide that goes with each one of the films too to, to help with, uh, with uh, this process of reviewing the films and, and trying to process uh, the message of hope that we're trying to offer through these films. Right. Yeah. It's a wonderful resource and it's available for free, of course. It's it's for free on our website, on the Sanctuary website, and also on the Ave Maria Press website that, that right. published the books. So yes, we want it to be viewed as widely as possible. And, and it's not just for people that have lost someone to suicide. It's also for people that maybe want to understand this more deeply. Uh, I would say any Catholic uh, leader in a parish community might want to take a look at the films uh, and particularly the one in the church's teaching on suicide mm -hmm. and get a deeper understanding of, of, of what's going on here and to be able to accompany parishioners when the inevitable suicides occurs. Because, it, you know, it's, it as you said earlier, Deacon Pedro, it yes. is a leading, leading cause of death and every parish will experience it. Absolutely. Um, thank you. And and this is what we're doing here. We're talking about it. We're We're educating ourselves and that way we can help ourselves and others as they as they uh, struggle with uh, with the pain of losing someone or of 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 just understanding what the church teaches uh, oh, Deacon, thank you for doing this deacon pedro thank you for what you do and uh um we'll, we'll talk soon okay deacon ed Schoner is the co-author of responding to suicide a pastoral handbook for catholic leaders and when a loved one dies by suicide both published by ave maria press he is the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. The video series, When a Loved One Dies by Suicide, can be watched for free at their website, catholicmhm.org, and through Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries and Ave Maria Press. If you or anyone you know needs help finding support or crisis resources, in the United States, you can dial 988 to access the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, and in Canada, you can dial or text 45645. Here now is Ascension Music with their new single, First Again. So I'll come 
That was Ascension Music with their single, First Again. 
Joe Lundeen is a singer-songwriter and worship leader from Massachusetts. Joe started like many of us did in his youth group and then was a missionary with the National Evangelization Team, Net Ministries. He worked for Net as their local outreach specialist and helped train Net missionaries. He has led music for countless retreats, liturgies, weddings, and healing services, and he hopes to be able to pursue music full-time soon. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Joe Lundeen. Joe, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I neglected to mention in the introduction this whole this whole thing about Ascension music, so I think we need to start there because all the songs we've heard are songs that, and you made it very clear that we should credit them as Ascension music. So what is Ascension music? Oh, yeah. So Ascension Music is really a really exciting collaborative that um, a bunch of friends got together um, in the Providence, Massachusetts region. Um, they're just worship leaders, people who love Jesus that have uh, really just just heart for worship. Like they want to worship as much as they can. They want to. That, that's what their life is going to be like is to just to worship the Lord. And so um, just coming out of this community in Providence, they, they decided, you know what, we got to come together and we have to bring um, beautiful music, great environments, all rooted in Jesus. Um, and especially with this time of, you know, the Eucharistic, um, just the Eucharistic revival, devotion, yeah. the revival. Yeah. And the USCCB is talking about that. We really want to, I think it's perfect timing for us to come in and really just provide um, environments, events that really lead people to Jesus through music. Um, so, and, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. So so why why do you call it a collective and like why not just like start a band? Like <laughs> That's what's a good the point. difference? So uh, I think there's some practical aspects to a collaborative, but there's also just the idea that um, there are tons of people in this in, the, in our area. Okay. Tons. So we'll start with there's like eight worship leaders in our collective and twenty to twenty two musicians that are pianists. Okay, I so see. We got strings. I see. There's all these people that are so coming they're all together. part of different groups already. Right. Um, they, they do all different types of things um, uh, within that region. Um, and coming together is just uh, one thing about it is just the family. And, you know, we are talking about uh, yeah. just a ch as a church playing music together is one of the best things is to play music together. But also, you know, being with people who love to lead worship, we found that one thing that we can do is be we can be humble in that. Like we're not just one person. You know, we're a part of a community. Um, and one of the things that especially me as someone who's led worship for a long time, one of the great things about me coming here and like not doing the single thing, like going out and doing, you know, retreats here and there, but being part of something bigger than myself is also a big reason why uh, we do yeah. this collaborative. No, that sounds great. Now, let me let me back up because I mentioned a little bit about your experience with NET and, and being a worship leader and training worship leaders. But but let's back up and, and tell me a little bit about you and growing up and music. What instruments do you play? When do you start writing music? Were you always Catholic? I guess all the questions uh, um, yeah. in a quick, uh, quick overview. Did you grow up Catholic? I did, yeah. So um, I was a cradle Catholic. My mom said, you're a Catholic boy, you're going to Mass, even though I kicked and screamed. You know, kicked and screamed. She thank said that. Thank mom, yeah. So, yeah, no, seriously. No, seriously, thank mom. Yeah, so I grew up um, in a Catholic family. I'm the youngest of four. Okay. Um, and God bless uh, what the Lord did in my life and in my community. Uh, I was raised uh, at a life teen parish. So, again, um, so many great programs, so many great uh, content out there, but uh, the Lord definitely used uh, Life Team to bring me closer to Him. And so I was grew up, again, youth group kid, I lectured, you know. Great. Um, Were you? Eucharistic minister, 
I did it all. I mean, I was a kid. I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to serve the church, you know, uh, growing up uh, in like uh, ninth grade. I had my kind of conversion, if you would okay, say that, yeah. you know, like Catholic conversion, you know, like even though I was, you know, always raised. And, and um, was, it mu- was it a musical home? Or did you play music? Or when did you start uh, no. the music? This is where the Lord came in, for sure. The Lord, this is definitely a gift. It was definitely a gift. It came out of nowhere. The Lord's like, hey, I want you to do this. Um, actually, when I was a senior in high school, my friend had uh, played the guitar at this retreat. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I kind of want to do that. Uh, my mom, uh, back in the 70s, uh, was very much into the guitar. Uh, she's probably getting out of me, but she's a, yeah. was kind of a hippie. But yeah. she always had a guitar in the house. And yeah. so, you know, uh, I was like, I kind of want to do that. And so my mom... To, um, took a piece of paper, showed me some chords, but I went on YouTube and I learned. I learned on YouTube, and the finger picking came. All this stuff just came, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is a this is a gift." And I didn't know I could sing before I was a senior in high school, you okay. know. So it was just like all this stuff. Um, but I just picked it up, and uh, right away there was an anointing, and I felt it, and I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something. And every time that I was kind of thinking, you know what, I don't think this is for me. I'm not. The Lord would completely confirm it every time I would play randomly and someone would be like, wow, you really brought me closer to Christ. And in that moment, I knew the Lord wanted me to do that for the rest of my life, regardless of where and when and how, how much I was going to do it. He wanted me to lead worship. Yeah, so, what, a, what a great feeling. Yeah, yeah I right. know what that's like. So so with the collective, I mean, I, I'm understanding that you're a guitar player, you're a singer. Do you play different roles? Like who writes most of the music? Are you mostly, mostly a songwriter? Like how do you, where do you fall in? when you guys are working together on a, on a song right yeah yeah so uh i play guitar uh, i pick up the piano through net I actually pick up the piano i just kind of like second self-taught i kind yeah. of flip my hand around yeah. um but yeah I, I do that and sing i do i do uh write songs um i i, do, I love writing psalms i love taking uh, music to psalms so I do, I do that a lot like um i, I help um, you know, we you've mentioned Novum in the past on the show. I think you mentioned before. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I kind of help with um, uh, writing psalms for their with the liturgy resources. resources yeah, right, right. And so, so that that's kind of a main thing. Um, my most of the songs that are written, uh, there's a probably three or four or five of us that really are writing the songs. Okay. Um, so I would say that, and uh, we do come together. We do come together to write. We uh, mostly most thing we do is we want to make sure we're praying. And when we're writing these songs, you know, one of the big things that we do is before we write songs is we say, you know what, Lord, if t- something comes out of it, great. If it's just for our circle, then God bless it. God yeah. Bless it. So yeah, there's, for there's sure. No, yeah. No, yeah. Fruits, fruits it's always bearing fruit. No, it's right. great that, that you guys are supporting each other that way. Um, is there a hope? I know that the collective is fairly young. It, is there a hope that you guys would be recording like Novum, like actually recording projects together or doing events together? Or just is it mostly a networking, supporting artists, collaborative kind of thing? Yeah, no, there, there's an aspect of that collaborative stuff. But no, we're, we're, we, we've, we've recorded, we have, we have our own little um, setup and we've, we have stuff that will be, um, will be released soon. Um, so we're really excited for it. I think we're aiming for something in the summer, but we have, well, we have, we have songs written, we have beautiful music written. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying that because, you know, what's, what's a great thing about this collective is I can say that because, you know, it's not me, you know, yes, we have true. great, we have beautiful music and I can that's say true. that we have really some good substance and really stuff that we can, you can pray with. Like one of the songs, Jesus, I, I trust in you is based in the divine mercy, like really <laughs> something tangible, you know, uh, Magnificat. We have a song that um, one of our, one of our worship leaders wrote just, just like really connecting and uh, connecting to Mary's yes, you know, just really good yeah. substance in this music, and we're really excited to 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 release it. So yes, we have we have music that will be released. Uh, we also do have events. We had an event uh, in August called Ascend, and that okay. was in a uh, the auditorium in uh, an auditorium in, in, in Providence. There was about three hundred people that came, and it was a beautiful night. 
um, of worship um, in a small, just a small talk. But again, Jesus is our main, our main goal is to get, you know, really have all this beauty, all this environment to really point to, to Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, but definitely we do have that. Okay. We do have it all. That's great. And just to clarify, because I did say that you're in Massachusetts, but Providence, you're talking about Providence, Rhode, Rhode Island. Yes, Providence, Rhode Island is where Ascension is based. Yep, I'm I'm showing my Canadianism here, knowing my my (laughs) American geography. Oh man! So so I'm glad that we're having this conversation, Joe, and that we're. I I love what you're doing, and I love the fact that there's so much more to come. Um, Thank you for introducing us to Ascension Music. I I I look forward to hearing more about you guys, and uh, and hopefully we can pray more. Pray, play more of the music here on the program as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And it's good, great to meet you, Joe. You too. Thank you. I really, I really enjoyed being on here. And um, I'm praying for your ministry for sure. Thank you. You can learn more about Joe Lundin at his website, Joe Lundin Music. And it's Lundin, L-U-N-D-I-N, JoeLundinMusic.com. If you missed any part of our conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head over to our website, eselmedia.org slash podcast. And here now is the song that Joe was talking about, Trusting You, um, by Ascension Music, featuring the beautiful vocals of Daisy Estrada. Listening to Ascension Music with their new single Trust in You featuring Daisy Estrada. And that will take us to the end of our program today. Remember that if you missed any part of the program, you can find our show at slmedia.org slash podcast. You can also get the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast. Please continue to pray for peace. Let's pray for peace in Ukraine and let's pray for those priests in Ukraine, the German priest in Mali, and the bishop in Nicaragua, and also for all Christians who suffer persecution around the world. Let's also pray for all those who struggle with mental illness and who feel that they have no hope and no options other than to end their lives. There is hope. I pray that you stay safe, pray for each other, and take care of each other. Happy Advent. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.